This is the Life Church Podcast. For more messages, to watch our live stream, or to find other events, go to lifechurchnow.org. Hey guys, Pastor Rich here, and today we are closing out our series, Words That Can Change Your Life. We've been in this series for the last six weeks. We've talked about six, five different words. Today we're going to end with a very simple and very short word. It's the word, wow. Wow, and I love the word wow. I especially love the word wow when I do something that my kids love. Like, you know, like, now it's tricky because the intonation matters. Like, my kids might say something like, wow, my dad is so strong. Or they might say like, whoa, my dad is so embarrassing. So that matters. But I think that I love the word wow. I think God loves the word wow too. I mean, like, what's the point of taste, right? You don't need taste to survive, Taste is just taste, right? You don't need it to be able to live on this earth. And yet, God gave us several thousand taste buds in our, on our tongue and in our cheeks so that we could be wowed. And then he has the brilliance of creating something like chocolate. Again, we don't need chocolate to survive. But imagine when, when your taste buds meet with chocolate. For me, it's caramel. When my taste buds meet with caramel, man, I'm just, it's wow, wow, wow. Christy, my wife, she wows me. I met her 34 years ago, and it was, wow. Now, probably a little bit more than that, but it was definitely wow, right? Uh, a friend of mine, I just talked to a friend of mine last week, Jose Renteria from Laredo, Texas, and he just said it this way. He said, man, Rich, where would you be if you hadn't met Christy? And that's true. Christy wows me. The human heart, that wows me. Do you realize that your heart beats at a, beats 100,000 times a day. 100,000 times a day. It circulates 2,000 gallons of blood through, through 67,000 miles of veins, arteries, capillaries every single day. I mean, that should wow you. I mean, 67,000 miles. That's three times the circumference of the earth. That should wow us. But I wonder, what does wow you today? I wonder. I mean, are you, are, you, are you walking around all day long saying, wow, look at creation. Wow, look at God. Wow, look at things. Are you doing that? Or have we lost our wow? I think many of us have lost our wow. I have four kids. I have three sons. Uh, Jonathan, my oldest, is 31 and then 30 and then 28. And then I have a daughter who's 22 years old. And um, I had three boys first. And so every time they were born... That was like a wow experience for me. I mean, for a lot of reasons. Like, wow, how does that big thing come out of that tiny place? I, that just, that, that, that's wow, right? But then more than that, you know, just the fact that a baby is born. I mean, this is fantastic. But I have to be honest with you. By the time my third son was born and Chrissy was pregnant with our daughter, Caitlin, if it hadn't been a girl, I might have been like, ah, another boy. I'm going fishing or something. You know, I might have just... Not really paid a whole lot of attention, but the fact that it was a girl, that's, that was different. You see, I got accustomed to it. I had lost my wow. First time I drove to Colorado Springs, my daughter, who just graduated from the Air Force Academy, um, four years ago, we went to Colorado Springs to drop her off. And, uh, I mean, and, and it was just amazing. I, I was driving into Denver, and as I was approaching Denver, I could see the mountains you know, in the horizon and I was just blown away, blown away. 
I, I, you ask Christian, I just couldn't stop talking about the mountains. Now, since then, we've been to Colorado Springs so many times that, yeah, mountains, I don't even notice them hardly anymore when we get there. I might notice them for a second, but then after we're there for a day or so, we're just, it's no big deal, mountains. Ask my daughter, she thinks, I hate mountains, right? We lost our wow. I think too often, we walk around just not impressed, We're not in awe of God's creation. We're not in awe of God's handiwork. We've lost our wow. So today what I want to do is I want to talk about three things that should make us say wow. I mean, there's thousands of them, but I want to talk about three specific things that should make us say wow. The first one is this, creation. Creation. In Psalm 19.1, in Psalm 19.1 it says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of God. Of his hands. The heavens declare the glory of God. The, the, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. I mean, every single day, this earth is rotating at just the right speed. Just the right speed. So when you wake up tomorrow morning, you will wake up to daylight coming through your window. I mean, the earth does two things that should just wow the socks off of us. Do you realize that right now, as I'm talking to you, wherever you're sitting, wherever you're watching from right now, that the earth is spinning on its circumference, it's spinning. Uh, on its axis, I'm sorry, it's spinning at a thousand miles per hour. A thousand miles per hour. That should make us dizzy. That should make us fall over. And there's reasons why, physics reasons why. A thousand miles per hour. And then it's screaming through space at 67,000 miles per hour, spinning around the sun, going around the sun. And then how about the moon? The moon is just far enough from the earth with just the right amount of mass to create the tides and to create, a, to create an eco-balance here on this earth. I mean, this should wow us. And to know that there's just really two possible explanations, that either all of this was by chance, that there was this cosmic explosion that caused everything to, to come into place, this explosion came out of nothing, out of chaos, or that a supreme being willed it into existence. Here's what the Bible says. In, in Psalm 148 about the universe, it says, let the sun, moon, stars, and highest heavens. Okay, so here the psalmist is talking about the universe. He's looking up in the sky. I can imagine as he's writing these words, he's looking up into the sky and he's saying, let everything that's up in the sky, the universe, praise the name of the Lord. There's reasons why. It says, for he commanded, in other words, God commanded it, and they were created. He set them in place forever and ever. God made this happen. God wowed it into existence. Creation should wow us. There's an astronomer, astrono, astronomer by the name of uh, Alan Sandage. All of his life he was an atheist. In fact, Alan Sandage was born right here in Iowa City. Uh, famous astronomer. He, uh, he was at the observatory in Pasadena, California. He was an emeritus staff member there. Carnegie Observatory, an atheist most of his life. He grew up with parents who were professors, and he traveled to different universities, and they taught, and that was his thing. He, in fact, he's famous because he, he's the first one to calculate reasonable, accurate values for the Hubble constant. They, I had to actually look that up. What is the Hubble constant? The Hubble constant is actually measuring how the universe is growing, and in doing that, you, you kind of discover or determine the age of the universe, and that's the, uh, the Hubble constant. So he was he was responsible for being the first one to you know, ac- cal- accurately calculate that. Later in his life, he was invited to a debate between some theists and a- atheists. <clears throat> and, um, 
In this debate, the, the atheists really were excited that he was coming because they thought that he was going to give them a, give a, a solid scientific response to their position that, that the creation or, or the Big Bang was just the way it was, you know? And he, he, the problem is that they were, what they did not know is that at the age of 50, Sandage had given his life to Jesus Christ. And so he goes there and he really totally blew them away. This is what he said. He says he became a Christian. He became a Christian not, not despite science, but because of science. And this is what he says at that, at that conference. The Big Bang, that, that cosmic explosion that caused everything to happen. Now, again, when you think of explosions, I rarely think of an explosion causing things to, to fall into order. I think of it more as falling apart. But the Big Bang was a supernatural event that cannot be explained within the realm of physics. The sudden emergence of matter, water, energy, and life points to the need for some kind of supreme being. You see, Alan Sander was just saying what was basically repeating what the Word of God has said all along, that the heavens declare His glory, the works of His hands. Listen, the complexity of this human body, the perfect order in which the sun, the moon, the stars... And, and, and the earth, they all operate. All of that, it just, it's harder to believe that that just happened out of some kind of cosmic explosion. It's actually easier to believe that there was a supreme being who willed it into existence just so you and I could say, wow. And it makes me say, wow. Second reason we, that we have to say, wow, is the uniqueness of every human being. The uniqueness of every human being. Psalm 139 Verse 13 says this, you created my inmost being, you knit me together. Notice the detail in this psalm. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you believe that about yourself? That you are fearfully and wonderfully made? I'm the oldest of five sons, five boys. My mom had five boys. She was a single mom for most of their lives from when I was a teenager on. And I know if you, if you talk to my mom about the, us five boys, she would probably say something like, yeah, well, Norman and Jaime, my youngest two brothers, were like an accident. Like, that wasn't planned. I think actually if you, if you had asked her when we were all teenagers at home, she would say, they're all accidents because we were just giving her such a hard time. But, but she would say something like, yeah, they were, they were an accident. But here's the deal. Your parents may not have planned you, but you need to understand something. God did. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. I love the detail here in Psalm 139 where he says, you knit me together, you knit me together. I don't know a whole lot about knitting. I remember my grandmother used to knit a lot and she would, uh, you know, she, as a little kid, she'd try to get us to knit with her and we're like, we don't, that's, that's, that's a girl's job. We're not doing that, you know. That's how we acted with her. But she, she had this thing, you know. She would walk into a house and if she saw a vase on a table or a, a lamp on a table that did not have like a doily underneath, she was immediately planning. It's like, I've got to get a doily for that. I've got to create a doily. So she would make all these doilies. She'd make round ones for vases and, and lamps and she would also make square ones for, for like, you know, t- a telephone. Like, for example, like this kind of phone. Now you look at that and you're like, what? What is that? If you were born after 1980, you probably have never seen one of these. A telephone. But my grandma would walk in and see that on the table without a doily, and she would make a square doily for it. Now, here's the deal. She would, she would see the need and immediately start making something unique for that specific need. Sometimes she'd come up with a plan for a certain color. Sometimes she would actually stitch in names into the doily. She was knitting it together. God says, I knit you. 
I planned you. I put you together just the way I wanted. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. You're not a mistake. Now, science can probably explain, and it does explain, how, how a single sperm out of 20 million, okay, a single sperm out of 20 million manages to swim its way and find that single egg and unite with that single egg. And that sounds, science explains it as very matter of fact, but it is such an improbability. It seems like such an impossibility, and yet that's exactly what happens. And then when they unite, it's interesting how that, that they come together and everything, the DNA that's inside this will determine the, the height of the person, the hair color of the person, the, the IQ of the person, the personality of the person, their skin color, all this stuff gets determined, and then it becomes Rich Green or becomes Chris Carey. Just take, there you go. See, a little bit of a comparison here. This is my high school graduation. This is kind of Chris around high school graduation time. I don't know what he's doing there. I asked him, and he said that's a skull. So I thought he was like drilling into you know some some mount or something on the wall up there, but no shirt on. This is Chris Carey, Rich Green. A single sperm unites with an egg. <laughs> and it becomes this. <laughs> Isn't it crazy? It's so improv, it's so crazy. I like what Mark Batterson says about, about the uniqueness of you. He says, let's go, <laughs> let's move on. There has never been and never will be another you. You are unlike anyone who has ever lived, but that uniqueness isn't a virtue. In other words, you don't need to be proud or boast about the fact that you're unique by God. It's a responsibility. Uniqueness is God's gift to you, and it's your gift to God. You are uniquely created. God broke the mold when he made you, and he gave you a purpose to live in this world. The question is, are you good with you? Are you good with what God has created you to be? I think too often we find ourselves trying to be somebody else. Lots of people never, never really discover who God has created them to be. They try to become somebody else. They, look for, they, they, they forsake their true identity to, be, to take, take, take on this false identity. And so they make their body their identity. I've got to look good. I've got to look like that person. I've got to look like that person. They make their, their degrees, their education, their identity. They make their finances, their money, their income becomes their identity. Sometimes people find their identity in, in, their, uh, in their sports teams. Like, you know, you come around here in Iowa City and people will say, I'm a Hawkeye. Really? Is that who you are? I know you're a fan, but are, is that who you are? The Bible says that our true identity is found in Christ and in Christ alone. I like what Ephesians 2 says about that. He says, you are God's masterpiece. You get that? This language that the Bible uses to talk about you and how you have become, you are God's masterpiece. That when you were born, even that weird picture of Chris Carey there that you just saw, when he was born, God looked at him and said, Chris, you're my masterpiece. You're my masterpiece. You're God's masterpiece, created in Christ to do good works. When you know who you are in Christ, then all of these other false identities begin to fall away. I mean, if you spend all of your life trying to, to take on this false identity, spend all of your energies on these false identities, you're gonna end up frustrated, trying to be somebody else, trying to have somebody else's ability, somebody else's personality, somebody else's appearance. It's just gonna end in frustration. You'll never discover, you'll never find who God has created you to be. 
there will always be somebody better than you, somebody prettier than you, somebody wealthier than you, somebody funnier than you. And we can spend our life trying to, trying to be someone we're not and we'll end up in frustration. Or you and I can discover who we are. We are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works. There's freedom to be found in that when we quit chasing after these false identities and we discover who we are uniquely made by God. And that makes me say, wow. The third wow that I want to share with you is this, is a changed life. <clears throat> a changed life. You know, nothing wows me more than when a, a once angry man becomes a loving father, loving husband. When a when a, a person who's a proven liar, you know, repents of his sin and becomes a, a genuine, authentic, honest, pure person. When a greedy person who's driven by money and possessions loosens his grip on all of that and, and becomes a generous person towards God and towards others. I mean, the Bible says that, that when we begin to give our life over to him, he begins a transformation process inside of us. He changes us. We have a little saying around here, come just as you are, but don't stay that way. That is affirming this idea that God wants to change your life. All of us come in with baggage. All of us come in with, with difficulties. All of us come in with challenges. And God doesn't want us to stay there. And so as we give ourselves over to him, he begins to change our life. And we become who God has called us to become. Can I tell you what wows me more than anything else? I mean, I love creation. I love the fact that we're made unique. But what wows me more than anything else is the evidence of a changed life. I mean, that just moves my heart. I clearly remember <clears throat> that day in 1987, Christy and I had just planted a church in a little town called Leesville, Louisiana, kind of like the armpit part of Louisiana. And uh, we were starting this Hispanic church there. We were meeting at First Assembly of God in, this, in their auditorium. We, had about, we were a tiny church, about 25 people. I knew everybody that was sitting there. They were all Christians. They were all like, you know, helping us get this church started. <clears throat> We had just finished our worship set, and I was in the middle of my sermon. I was literally halfway through my sermon when in, into the auditorium walked in this couple. Uh, their names were Ida and Luis Tello. And they walked in, and Luis Tello, the guy, he had, dark, he had these sunglasses on that covered his big part of his eyes and had his shirt unbuttoned down to here, gold chains around his neck, you know. And, and Ida, you know, she walked in with a little, little skippy little dress on, you know. And they sat down, and I looked at them and immediately thought man, I think these people need Jesus. And I know I might have been, you know, judging them, but it looked like they really needed Christ. And so I switched gears real quick. I, I don't know, I might have been talking about tithing or something. I just immediately switched gears and I went to talking about how Jesus Christ died on the cross for us, that he came to give us freedom and peace and joy, that he, has, that he died on that cross so that we can have forgiveness of our sins and that we can actually live in freedom. And so at the end of that very short message, I, I made an invitation. I'm like, okay, uh, raise your hands if you've never accepted Jesus. I knew there, we were like 25 people there, you know. I knew who I was talking to. <laughs> I was talking to that couple that just walked in. But I said, raise your hands if you've never accepted Jesus before as your Lord and Savior. And I mean, I didn't get those words out of my mouth when Ida Teo jumped up to her feet and just marched down to the front, fell on, the, in, on, the, on her knees right in front of the altar and just began to cry out to God, asking God to, to help her. Here's some pictures of, 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 that, of that crew. Uh, this lady right here with the red hair, that's Aida Tello. And her husband, Luis, that's him right there. You notice he's got a t-shirt on that says Jesus Christ, like a Coca-Cola t-shirt thing. The lady in the middle is Lily Sierra. Um, let's go to the next picture. Uh, this is like 1990 or somewhere around there, 1989. <clears throat> 
this is, a, we were gathering at this, at this family's home. We we're just playing dominoes. We we're just having a lot of fun. And this is my wife, Christy. She's sitting there. She must have just got off work because she has her uniform on still. And uh, right, again, right in the middle is Lily Sierra. She was like the matriarch of our, of our church, of the women there. And then next to her is Ida, Ida Teyu. Ida had given her life to Christ. It was just amazing what God had done in her life. I soon found out her story. Her story was that she was raised in New York City, so she would be technically, technically called a New Yorican, if you've ever heard that term. That's what a Puerto Rican raised in New York is called, a New Yorican. She was abused as a child. The, the environment in which she grew up in was an environment of alcohol and drugs and abuse and just a very bad environment. So there's no surprise that by the time she was a teenager, she was selling her body to be able to buy drugs. She became a heroin addict at a, at a very young age. Finally, she met Luis Tello, and they, and, uh, and they got married, and he was in the military, so he got stationed in Leesville, Louisiana, of all places. I mean, culturally speaking, they are polars apart, Leesville and New York City. But that's where she landed, and that's where God had her. See, God is at work. That's what wows me about God and his work in our lives. She had tried to take her life. The week before she came to our church, she had tried to take her life. And so Lily Sierra, this lady right here, she had heard about it, and so she went to the hospital to pray for her. And while she was praying for her, she invited her. She said, hey, Ida, you know what? We're starting a new church. You should come and, and, and visit our church. And so she came the week after, after she had tried to commit suicide. The following week, she came back. And I'm telling you, you see that, you see, look at her expression right there, just this big smile on her face. That's not the Ida I met that first Sunday. I mean, she had this heavy look on her face, obvious depression, obvious hurt and pain. But this is, a, this is the face of somebody who's been set free. And so she walks in, and this is the face that we saw. And so in our, we had a tiny little church, so it was our custom to ask people to come up and, and kind of share their testimony, you know. And so I, I asked Ida to, to come and share her testimony. So she, she did. She was a very bold person, by the way. But, but she, I remember her coming up, and we had the microphone. I was going to hand her the microphone, and her hands were shaking, just trembling. Because you have to remember, a week before, she was a heroin addict and a, and a you know, very immoral person. And now... She's standing behind a pulpit about to share her story. So she was just terrified. But she gets up there and she begins to tell her story. And I kid you not, we needed one of those bleep machines, you know, they have in, in the media or whatever, because she's telling her story. She's like, and I used to do drugs. And she ended every one of her sentences with, and SH, or I'll just say, and shoot. And then she said, and I used to, and shoot. And I, every sentence, she ended it like that. We're standing in church listening like, okay, this is good news, this is good news, this is good news, this is good news. It's good that she, she's got saved, but man, she, we gotta help her with her language, you know? She was just, I mean, but it was just, that's who she was. She came off the streets of New York and God had set her free. Let me tell you, the power of God in one's life to change a person. Ida was set free instantly from drugs. I mean, she was so convinced of the power of God in her life to change a life that she became an evangelist for Jesus Christ. I mean, with instantly, she began to talk to people about Jesus. Our church began to fill up with all kinds of people. We had, you know, people, ex-drug addicts, drug addicts. We had people just released from jail. I mean, it was filling. One time, she, she was very, very bold. She, uh, she brought a couple to our church, and, and she, she brought them in, and she would, like, she's a really stern kind of person. She would always say, okay, you sit here, you sit here. And she'd sit them on the front row of our church. You know, this couple, she's, you sit here, you sit here. And then she'd come get me. She said, pastor, I want you to meet, 
and this is an actual couple, Carlos and Sandra Diaz. And pastor, they're drug addicts, and they're, and they're sleeping around on each other, and, God, and, 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 and he's beats her, and, and they're just living an immoral life, and they're sinners, and they need to get saved. <laughs> and I'm, I've got my head down going, oh, God, Ida, not like that, not like that. And I look up at Carlos and Sandra, and they're just bawling. <laughs> And they're like, yes, we are. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. It's the power of a changed life. That's what they experience. There was a point in our church, if you come to our church, you could not be in, our, in that little Primera Asamblea de Dios church and not look around and say, wow, God changes lives. Because we were a motley crew. We were a, a crazy group. But man, they were talking about Jesus. We were, our, our small groups, we didn't really, small groups really didn't exist back then, but our small groups were just gatherings and we would talk about some pretty crazy stuff about how to live their life out for Jesus. This little New Yorican girl by the name of Ida Tello, she changed my life. Through her, I learned to say, wow, God changes lives. I got a, one more picture here I want to show you. This is, um, <clears throat> this is Ida here in the middle, she had a paper that she wanted to read to us as a church, and we were having like a fellowship after our service, and then it's her husband, Luis, right there. He was, a, he was in the army, he was a tanker in the army, a gunner in the tank, and um, this was their last day in Leesville, Louisiana. They were being transferred to Fort Hood, Texas, and uh, you could tell she's crying. We're, we were all just weeping. A little bit after she had given her life to Christ, um, she was having this routine um, surgery on her nose. It, she was having blockage. She couldn't breathe well. So she had this routine surgery, and the blood work came back, and they told her, they gave her the grim news that she had AIDS. And at this point, we really had never heard of AIDS before. It was the early 90s. Turns out that her promiscuous lifestyle and her IV drug addiction really caused her to have that. I watched this beautiful lady shrink down to a bag of bones. Um, I got a phone call a few months after this event. I got a phone call uh, that she was in a hospital in Fort Hood, Texas, and that she might be dying and that I needed to go see her. And so I, I drove a six-hour drive from where I was living to, where, to Fort Hood, and I drove there. When I got to the hospital, um, they directed me that she was actually on a, an entire floor that was for patients with HIV. And, um, and so I, I went there and I went up to the floor, to the, to the room that she was at, you know, and when I get there, her husband's sitting there by himself, Luis, and I said, hey, Luis, uh, where's Ida? He says, Pastor, you need to talk to that woman. I'm like, what do you mean? She's, she just gets a little bit of strength in her body. And suddenly she's just walking up and down these hallways telling people about Jesus. You got to tell her she needs to stop it. She's not strong enough for that. And so I go out looking for her. And sure enough, there she was standing with her IV cart. <laughs> standing with her IV cart, telling somebody about how God changed her life. A woman who was dying with AIDS talking about the goodness of Christ. That's the power of a changed life. As I think about how to end this message, there's two things I want you to take away. First one <clears throat> is I want you to have an increased awareness of what God has created for us. There's creation. You realize that you woke up this morning, you took in a big, 
deep breath of air. God, Dave, that's a gift from God to you. He gave that for you. We need to be aware of that. We need to try to constantly be aware of what God has done in our lives. The second thing I want us to be aware of is to have an increased awareness of what God has created us for. Listen, God doesn't create you just so that you can have everything. He's created you to use you for his purposes so you, like the heavens, like the stars, like the moon, like the sun, can give glory to him. You, through your life, can give glory to him. You see, Ida, that Sunday afternoon in 1987, she woke up and she said, wow. She realized, she discovered everything that God had done for her, the beauty of creation, the fact that even though her parents did not care, they were not good parents, the fact that those parents did not care for her still, there was a God who wonderfully and fearfully created her and designed her for a specific purpose. And then in that discovery, she discovered that she was meant to be used by God even if her life was short-lived on this earth. There are people all over the world right now whose lives have been impacted because this little lady said, God, I accept what you've called me for, how you've called me to, use, how you've called me to be used. So let me ask you, <clears throat> have you lost your while? Is it just mundane? Are you living life and you're just kind of like feeling entitled, feeling like you, don't, you deserve more? Do you need to go back to that moment when you first met Jesus? Or that moment when Jesus first came and healed your body or healed your son or daughter? Every time I go and I think about the life of Ida Teo, I walk away convicted. But I take for granted everything that God has done in my life. You need to go back to it. You need to re rediscover, recapture that divine wow in your life. In this series, we've talked about a series of words that can change your life. Some of you that are listening right now, you need to say yes. Yes to God. Yes to a, a wife or a husband. Yes to your son or your daughter. You need to say yes to his calling in your life. You also need to learn to say no. You need to say no to that addiction, that thing that's holding you down. No to people who are pulling you down. Even no to stuff that it's good, but it's not your best. Learn to say no. Some of you need to say help. Your pride is holding you back from discovering true freedom. And you need to put that aside and say, I need help. I need help with this addiction. I need help with this brokenness in my life. I need help with, with, you know, what's going on with my kids or my marriage. I need help. Others of you need to say, you're sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry to my wife, Christy. I'm sorry to your husband. I'm sorry to your children. Sometimes I saw this beautiful thing happen this week, and my wife doesn't know I'm saying this, but um, I heard my wife say to my daughter, they got in a little bit of a spat this past week, and they were kind of not talking to each other for an hour or so. <laughs> and I saw them sitting on the front porch of our, of our house, and I looked through and I could see that, that Chrissy looked at Caitlin and said, I'm sorry. And then they kind of made up. You could tell they made up, and then Caitlin walks in, and she made some, made some comments. Sometimes sorry is just a pathway to being able to restore relationships. And so some of you need to say, I'm sorry. See, let God... Let God wow you 
with his goodness and his grace. We did this series, Words That Can Change Your Life, because we want you to have a changed life. Like I said in the beginning, we have a saying around here, come just as you are, but don't stay that way. And what's behind that is that there's a God out there that has so much for you. He has fearfully and wonderfully made you. He's created you for good works. You are his masterpiece. He has, a, he has purpose for your life. And it starts with simply saying, God, here I am. I give my life. I am amazed at who you are and what you've done. I'd like to pray for you right now. And I want to encourage you that that if you are kind of living, feeling a little bit entitled, feeling like, you know, the world is, is unfair, step back a second and think about everything that God has done for you. Think about the uniqueness of who you are as a person. Think about that moment that you had an encounter with Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you, God, for everything that you are for us. God, we've been in this series, Words That Can Change Your Life. And God, that's really what's behind it, Father. We are people who know that we need a transformation in our lives. We need to be set free from addictions. We need to be set free from, from brokenness. We need to be set free from patterns that are destructive in our life. We need change. God, we need to be, we need to be pursuing, God, those things that you have called us into, Father. And not choosing a false identity, but choosing a true identity in Jesus Christ. So God, today, Father, those who are listening right now, I just ask you, Father, to speak, speak to their hearts, wherever they are, in their living room, their bedrooms, wherever they're sitting right now, that you would speak to their hearts, that you would draw them closer to you, Jesus, that you, would, that you will speak life into them. They can walk away from this prayer right now with this amazement, with this awe, with this word, wow. We ask it in Jesus' name. 